Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and this is a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz. It's been a while since we've been able to say that, but <laughs> it is a victory edition nonetheless. Texas gets a win over Baylor 27-16. We will break it all down here on this latest edition of the show. Let me bring in the rest of the team who will be alongside me for this adventure. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst here on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? Having some back issues today, man. I Ooh. did some yard work yesterday. Oh, Didn't man. sleep well last night. Gotta so. stretch it out, man. Yeah, back no. The atomy. This floor is looking very inviting for that, by the way. <laughs> um, so if I end up doing this podcast laying down, forgive me. Uh, a man who knows something about back issues and all kinds of bumps and bruises uh, throughout his storied football career, our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with the football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. And Rod, before we get to the football, we're going to start the show on a very uplifting, very positive note. The one Rod Babers is now engaged. I am engaged. Big time. Finally. It's awesome. Appreciate that, brother. I do have a fiance. Yes, Yes. I know that's annoying and pretentious, so I won't (laughs) be saying it much. But, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate the the kind words. Everybody's been sending me uh, congratulatory uh, messages, and I appreciate it. She's fantastic. Should have happened a while ago. But uh, I was trying to wait out the pandemic, but I don't think it wasn't going to happen. Uh, I bought the ring, like, in February. When I heard so, when you bought it and you said that, I was like, that's the worst luck ever. Yeah, like, it literally February, hit the pandemic hit, waiting. I want to say, two weeks later. The pandemic hit. Yeah, yeah right after about the in your mind, and yeah. then you're like, well, I was like, no, nah, we're going. I was like, man, nah, we're going to maybe try to go to New York or maybe Paris or Miami, go somewhere really nice and cool, and then pop the question on the beach or something. No, no. freaking pandemic. <laughs> waiting out of <laughs> pandemic <laughs> and just waiting pandemic. it out. Just sort of. I tried to wait it out, so uh, we got it done. Um, so it's fantastic. I appreciate it. We're really excited. You flipped COVID the middle finger on this one, Rod. 
Yeah, it's actually a good positive story a, for in the 2020. Yeah, everybody's going to be talking about how terrible 2020 was years from now and we'll be talking about how we decided to uh to make it to make it official. <laughs> and uh yeah, so it's it's good though. It actually has put a positive spin on 2020 for me, so we're really excited about it, man. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And uh you know, Texas needed some positive news, Rod. Uh Without- think about this. That game was played on October 24th. It had been since September 26th since this team won a football game. Now, you did have two losses in October. You had a bye week mixed in there. But it had been a long time since Texas. And just been able to savor the flavor of winning a football game. And honestly, that Mm. Texas Tech win, it was like, eh, you won. But it was kind of one of those ugly wins, just kind of forgettable ones where you knew you had some issues that needed to get addressed. They didn't get addressed. But Rod, Tom Herman talked about fixing the fixables. And when you start looking at this game, before you get into anything schematically on either side of the ball, the two things we talked about, look, just set your bar to where cut your penalties in half, get your missed tackles down to single digits, and that'll probably be a really good place to start if you want to see some improvement. And honestly, this wasn't, from an execution standpoint, this wasn't just an overwhelming performance by Texas by any means, but you only have five penalties. Uh, you did have the one turnover, and mm-hmm. I guess be thankful that it happened when you were up by 18. But, Rod, <laughs> uh, they do they cut their penalties down to five, and I don't know if you charted missed tackles yet, but it had to be single digits or close to it. Um, eh, I don't know if it was single digits. I, I charted and went back, and I think that it, what happened was they weren't for a lot of explosive plays. They limited the yardage on the missed tackles. Mm-hmm. Still had guys missing tackles, but it, it, was, a, it was a much less – um, destructive <laughs> performance, like self-destructive performance, I should say, by the defense. So I just think it was, it, like you said, cleaner, crisper performance. Um, wasn't outstanding, wasn't extraordinary, it wasn't remarkable, but when you just have a cleaner, crisper performance and you have the talent advantage, I think all of the different advantages that you have will come to the forefront. Ultimately, you end up winning by double digits. You start to, you know, there were shades of you beating yourself at times, in that game where Baylor made their comeback, and to me, that's correctable. I mean, you can go back and watch the film and go, see, guys, this is what happened. We had a penalty here. Uh, you know, we we stalled on the offense here. We couldn't run the ball here. These things, you know, we missed some tackles here, and boom, you can you know go back to the drawing board and get better. So I thought the team was just better. They were a better football team, period, because they were cleaner and crisper. We can get into the details, but I'm with you. I thought they got better over that over that bye week. So I'm glad Tom Herman fixed what he calls the fixables. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what I saw. The third quarter, they outscored them 14-0 in the third quarter. That was their big issue, Jeff, and you've talked about it, and you got the stats that are just mind-blowing about the third quarter. Came on the yeah. third quarter, and they were able to establish some 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 concepts that, you know, that that they could come back to, you know, in terms of success and effectiveness, and we saw that throughout. I mean, they came out in that third quarter and they ran the football um, and actually ran it with 12 personnel. And they scored on the first and the third drive of the third quarter, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That's big, man, in terms of adjustments, because we were talking about how that loses them a lot of games. And it had lost them games in the Big 12. Yep. Uh, Matt, you don't happen to have the missed tackle numbers from Pro I'll Football pull up Focus, some missed tackles real quick. Yeah, so Rod, let's just go to the third quarter, because I think if you're looking for improvement, to me, that was the big area where something had to change. And, and we went through the numbers on last week's show, and I'm working on a piece at Horns 24-7 right now just in case anybody missed those mm-hmm. numbers. I'll, I'll lay them all out. But 
Rod, basically that third quarter went exactly the way. It was the antithesis of the three third quarters and the, the three previous Big 12 games. You outscore Baylor uh, 14-0. Uh, you get a three and out defensively on, on Baylor's first series of the second half. But one sustained drive Baylor has in the third quarter, you force a missed field goal. Uh, you're able to mm-hmm. establish the run with Bijan Robinson to get that drive going. It's a 12-play drive for 75 yards and a touchdown. I mean – I don't know what Tom Herman changed or, or if somebody gave, you know, uh, Roshan Johnson apparently gave a little quick 30-second speech reminding everybody that the third quarter was the emphasis in the bye week. I don't know what really changed, Rod, but it was a different football team in the third quarter than we've seen coming out of halftime the first three Big 12 games. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that – and I, I went back and looked at it. You know, they ran – 12 personnel probably 40% of the time in that game versus Baylor. It's the first time they've ran 12 personnel that much since the UTEP game. UTEP game, they came out and ran really around uh-huh. 45%, 46% of the time. They were in 12 personnel. So I'm not saying that's the reason they were able to run the ball effectively. It's not. You go back and look at the numbers, there's not a significant disparity uh, in terms of your effectiveness running the ball with 12 personnel as opposed to 11 personnel. And you know, I think they've ran – 20 personnel, like three plays, three or four plays so far this year. Um, and when they run 10, their version of 10 is Malcolm Epps on the field, if you mm-hmm. haven't noticed, right? They'll put Epps on the field and kind of line them up at a wide out, and that's their version of 10, even though he's basically still tight their end, tight end out there, yeah, essentially. And they've done that a few times too. But I, I do believe that the 12, it does give the the defense more to worry about in terms of having to defend the run and that's why they've actually been able to get some explosive passes. I'll, I'll give you a great stat now. Jared Wiley is tied for the team lead in explosive receptions in Big 12 play. Mm-hmm. And he's got more yards than any player on the team in explosive receptions in Big 12 play. He's got over 100. He's got 122 yards of, re- of receptions on explosive receptions. Three of them. He's only got six catches. Yeah, I'm about to say <laughs> and, all of them seem to be explosive. They all be explosive plays. He is actually your most explosive player right now. I mean, that is it's phenomenal. But it just shows you when they're in that 12 personnel package, you can almost catch the defense slipping uh, and catch them sleeping a little bit. And you can use play action because uh, they're going to be overly concerned with stopping running. They use a lot of misdirection, more misdirection. I say not a lot. More misdirection in their running game when they have those two tight ends in there. That more is, deception in the running game. That Jared Wiley number you just threw out, Rod, that tells me two things. One, Jared Wiley needs to be playing more than Cade Brewer. That Jared. definitely needs to be. We've been I mean, yelling about that. 12, 12, <laughs> pers- 12 personnel, I, I think, is a, it, uh, it's a nice complimentary changeup. It shouldn't, I'm not saying it should be the base or anything. It's a nice complimentary changeup they're using. I like it. That might be the one thing offensively that's held up from – what the coaches were saying in the preseason, that they felt like 12 personnel would be a good personnel grouping for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were right about been. that. So it has been. That tells me Jared Wiley should be playing more than Kate Brewer, and that tells me stop expecting the unexpected from this wide receiver group. It is what it is at this point. And I think on Saturday, kind of what you've got is what you could expect. If you can get you know, somewhere between three to five big plays from that receiver group when you need them to step up and make a play, that's pretty much all you can expect. You're not going to have one mm-hmm. of these guys suddenly emerge and be a 60-70 catch guy. That's just not going to happen this year. That's not the way that that group is not there yet. That's not the way this offense is wired. Uh, but, yeah, there's – honestly, and I don't mean this to say this disparagingly about Cade Brewer. He's a guy that's paid his dues and been in this program for four years. There's no reason why Jared Wiley shouldn't be the, the playing the most snaps right. out of anybody in the tight end room right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's the a eye, pride thing. The eye test tells me yeah. he's the best option you've got. It's a pride thing. They've made Kate Brewer a leader, so they want him to have more of that role. And I agree, he is a leader. I love that play where he gets down, very unselfish, right, to end the game, mm-hmm. to close the game. But you're right, at this point, Jared Wiley is a difference maker. He needs to see the field more. Yes, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because of matchup nightmare. Yeah. We talked about the ceiling that he gives the offense whenever he's on and how it sort of unlocks the offense, yep. and it gives you that volatility and makes you very unpredictable. You aren't able to sort of be like, all right, well, we've seen this grouping. We know mm-hmm. what their tendencies are here. It simplifies the defense when Brewer's out there, and between the two of them playing 99 snaps, and you had 71, so you're talking about that, In that 28 game? plays. Yeah, between so, the two of them. So they were on the field together at time. Now, Wiley maybe split out wide more so than mm-hmm. normal, but that's more so than I've seen all season they, Right, they're playing them more. That's true. They are playing them more. I mean, you're right. They are. So we can't complain that much. But he should be, you're right, he should be the featured tight end and he should be starting over Kate Brewer. And then when you play your double tight end package, you should have Kate Brewer as the compliment. Because he's he's your most explosive receiver right now. And he (laughs) he by far had, Jared Wiley by far had his most snaps where he was in run blocking to where the last two games he was in for only 19 snaps run blocking against OU and TCU. This game, 25. So oh, you're talking give me about, those numbers. Those are great numbers. You're run blocking 25 snaps in or OU uh, for Wiley in okay. the Baylor game. Okay, eight in OU, eleven in TCU. Wow. Yeah. So he's his oh. role. I think they're trusting him more to do stuff, and which is going to be that's how you start to supplant Brewer if Good he's going to stay out there on snaps where he's run blocking. And on the missed tackle numbers, it was ten that Pro Football Focus. Had for this week's for Baylor. game. No, for, I, for this week at Baylor. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had. That makes sense because I had, I had a nine to eleven. You could depend on your ratio. <laughs> exactly. I really did. I had nine to eleven, but they weren't. You didn't give up that many explosive yards. I mean, I can go back and try. You probably gave up maybe less than fifty yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a result of those missed tackles, I when think, in previous weeks it was up to a hundred yards that you were giving up as a result of those missed tackles. I don't think Baylor had a play from scrimmage longer than 21 yards, I think, was their yeah, longest, there you their go. longest play from scrimmage. I mean, well, because I mean, Charlie Brewer couldn't throw the ball more than 20. He did not throw the ball. He hadn't thrown the And, Matt, you gave the stat and said that's a stat via text, so mm-hmm. you are the stat man. He hadn't had a pass thrown. Or he actually hadn't had a completion more than 20 yards all season long. He only had three attempts more than 20 yards downfield. And i got to tell you, in this game, I don't think he threw the ball more than 20 yards downfield once. Those those back shoulder yeah. fades, they got right at twenty, like right there, like it was a back shoulder fade right there at twenty. He never threw the ball beyond twenty yards. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna it pull was a up pretty simple game plan. Like you just playing football within a twenty yard zone on defense, and that's why it, it would have been really upsetting to me if Baylor was able to move the football consistently. It's like, dude, yeah. they're not throwing the football downfield. It's a pretty obvious game plan. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's what's happening right now to the Patriots and Cam Newton. Cam Newton's throwing the ball to the right side of the field like five times all season. It's absurd. Oh, that's but, crazy. Yes, it, I'll pull up the exact numbers, but Cam what? Cam Newton's numbers are identical to Charlie Brewer's wow. to one side of the field. What is that? I don't know. They, they like I don't know if it's your first it. read. If it an injury? Well, that too. Think Charlie Brewer's injury. Yeah. yeah. Everybody thought well Cam Newton be. got injured too earlier this year. Yep, That's kind either. of a word from the Baylor the Baylor side of things is there's something's not right with, with Brewer. Uh but let let's yeah, he's let's got take, pummeled for four I wanna, years. I want to come back to the offense. <laughs> 
I want to go back to the offense, but let's <laughs> feel stick sorry to... for him. My mom teaches the guy, so like <laughs> when he was a little second grade Charlie, and I now pay attention to how much he gets hit. Yeah, my brother, my brother's a Baylor fan, and we were texting Sunday night because I don't know if you guys saw the news, but based on Larry Fedora, I don't know why Baylor refused to use their running backs more since those two guys are probably the two most explosive players they have on offense. But Tristan Ebner and John Lovett both announced they're opting out the rest of the season. Oh, like they're wow. done. After that game. And my brother and I, he's a wow. Baylor fan, we were texting, and my brother said, yeah, Brewer should opt out before he dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's kind of where Baylor fans are, just worried, worried about wow, Charlie Brewer. Wow, that's crazy. At this point. And plus, yeah, right after the game, they just opted out. They were that upset. Yeah, Sunday. they Apparently neither one of them showed up for practice, and they're done. Um, so, but, but – Wow. Uh, that's good that we can stay here because I want to. I want to go to the Texas defense. We'll come back to the offense, but I, yeah. I want to go to the defense. I count here. thirty-seven yards of miss as a result of missed tackles in this game. So yeah. that's not nearly as bad. Minuscule. Oh, it's and, not it, even close. and even while watching it, you, you sort of notice like, hey, there'd be a missed tackle, but a guy would be sort of tumbling forward, yeah. and it's yeah. the party at the football mentality. So then everybody else come help. I think it's. I think it might be even more simpler than that, Matt. And what yep. you said is a, it's a pretty simple, tried and true method of defensive football. I think it's even more simpler than that. I think Texas had one clear advantage in this game. That was their defensive line against the Baylor offensive line, especially with Connor Galvin and Xavier Newman Johnson not being available for Baylor. They're down mm-hmm. two starters on a on an offensive line that's already having issues. And I thought Rob the Texas defensive line. By the way, can I just mention that I did the live stream, the Horns live stream with you and Aaron Hogan. That is the most fun I've had watching a football game. Thanks, bro. It is fun. And I don't know how long. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, it's just talking ball. Just sitting around. Instant reaction. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I should have put y'all on. It was was awesome. (laughs) Another football theorist like Jeff coming on. It's it's more fun. But usually it's just me, BK, and E, but it was really good having you on, man. I got a good response to people love it. Uh, But. And the Texas defensive line played really well in this game. Whether it was uh, – you made a great point during our, our live stream, Rod. This defensive line has done a good job. They don't always get home, but they've done a really good job of getting pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw that in this game. And the added dimension now, we saw Keandre Coburn do it once, Alfred Collins do it once. Yep. It's like those guys are taking a hard look. If, you, if you're getting double teamed, you know you're not going to get there. Try to get a hand in a passing lane because you can knock a ball down. We saw this defensive line do that. High IQ so, stuff, man. I think this goes back to Baylor's lack of a vertical passing game. They knew they didn't have an advantage in the trenches. They were at a massive disadvantage. So that quick, high-percentage passing game, RPOs, kind of make it harder on the linebackers and the safeties to, to get a beat on everything. So I thought from that standpoint, Baylor put Charlie Brewer in some good situations. But I think for Chris Ashrod, the the adjustment was really good. He said, look, we're going to give our corners some help, mm-hmm. play a little more cover two than you played. Yes, it's going to open up the middle of the field. But back to what you were talking about, Matt, I think the message is, guys, if you just stop the ball where it's caught, we're going to win this game yeah. because we're going to be up on the scoreboard. And even if they go down and score, they're going to have to take 10, 12 plays to go do it that they're just going to run out of time. Yeah. It's uh... a <laughs> – and I haven't charted the numbers for the corners. I mean, I got the targets here, but it's, it's disappointing. I mean, yeah. I, I told you on the broadcast, it was smarter than the growth of the corners. If, if you are a cornerback going up against Baylor, and let's pray that they have the same numbers that Matt gave us about Charlie Brewer not throwing the football downfield 20 yards or more. Um, if they don't, um, God help us, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? They should know that. I can't. I just to me, I can't believe the corners weren't ready for the back shoulder fade. Yeah, he's not throwing it deep. You don't, you know, you're not going to defend the nine route. Yeah, you want to defend the the deep post. All you got to defend is twenty yard routes. The deepest he can throw it is the back shoulder fade. You should be, you should, man. I'd have been playing almost everything underneath with a shade underneath everything because yeah. yeah. he's everything's going to be an inside cut or a stop route or or a hitch or not. 
everything and every and everything was within twenty yards. And the corners still got like I said, I'll, I'll add up the numbers. Man, they, they they were getting picked on to the point where the safety saved the day. B.J. Foster had a drop pick because he came down and actually was trying to do what? Pick off the back shoulder fade. Yeah. And they had done it so much, he was like, they're going to throw the back shoulder fade. They keep the – even B.J. Foster, they're going to throw like the back shoulder fade It's like there's a sideline at yeah. the 20-yard mark. Like yeah. you're inside he didn't have a red zone. You could have been flat foot – you could have been flat foot reading it. And that's what he did. He flat foot read. And he was like, I'm yeah. just going to go for the back shoulder fade. Mm-hmm. Chris Chris Brown um, another time got almost got his hands on one. It's, it's just to me – and that's when – Give Chris Ash credit because that's when he backs the corners off and he starts playing zone, so he's playing some cover two. And you brought that up, Jeff, and accurately predicted, like, I think he might put these corners in some cover two. That's when Deshaun Jameson almost makes a play on the ball and then didn't get the pick. But, man, if the corners can't cover when they don't have to cover beyond 20 yards. That's troublesome. Guys, man, that, that, that's that's trouble. That's yeah. really troublesome. So, I listen, I think that the defense adjustments were great in this game, but the truth is – a quarterback that can't throw the ball more than twenty yards, it's not really hard to defend. So yeah. I was I was disappointed in the corners. I thought they'd be jumping routes. I thought they'd have a great pregame uh game plan, if you will, that all right, we're gonna play everything underneath because this guy's not throwing over the top. We're gonna make him beat us over the top with a forty yard bomb that's on the money. Cause he ain't done it this year. Yes. And I mean when you think about <laughs> it, it's not even inside the red zone. It was as if their entire offense for the whole season for Baylor's played from the ten yard line to the back of the end zone. That's 20 yards, and you hadn't completed a pass for more than 20 yards downfield. So if you're th- approaching it as if you're sitting there at the 10-yard line, you're going to defend a lot differently, and that's sort of the mentality that was needed in those situations, at least until you get be- the fear of it's there. But when you haven't seen it all season long, you can take those risks. I'm going to add it up here. Give me some time. Yeah, <laughs> while you're adding that, Rod, I'll say this. You know, Larry Fedora's forgotten more football than I'll ever know. But up, like- but up until those two fourth quarter scores Baylor had, their third down play calling and red zone play calling was wow. atrocious. It was really bad. It was. Yeah, it was really bad. Like you had the one in the third quarter that basically, I guess it ended up kind of knocking you out of ideal field goal range. Where what is it? Uh, guys, like a third and four, third and five that they run like the little, they put Josh Fleeks in motion mm-hmm. and give him like the little DeJay Johnson, Marcus yep. Johnson flip pass. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, credit Mauro Ojimo and Juwan Mitchell for reading it and playing it well, but I'm mm-hmm. like, really? You are you got a big third down and plus territory, and that's that's what you go with? I mean, that, that's that the thing, oh, okay. like seeing yeah. our D linemen being able to make plays like that on space against skills guys and just to disrupt the rhythm of offensive play in those situations because that's sort of where it seemed like Texas had been manipulated the last few years and you're not able to make those type of plays and something simple turns into something big. And, I mean, like you said there uh, early on, like that mark between the 10 and 20-yard line where you end up having all those back shoulder throws that ended up getting them a lot of their offense they were able to complete seven of their passes within there and coming into the season it was only 10 in the first two games one of those against Kansas so definitely not very good defensively there on the intermediate passing game but when that's the only threat that should be there you shouldn't even be allowing that many yeah it was all that that third down play call by Larry Fedora was almost as bad as the reverse Texas called on third and two when they're trying to ice the game Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that play call. What Rod? I know you had a big problem with that one. The reverse to Josh Moore. Oh my God! The third and Joshua six. Josh Moore on third. It was the third and they were third and two uh, at the, the Baylor forty. Oh yeah, you're right. Third the and long two. Winding. You're yeah. right. Uh, third and two, and they were in twelve personnel there too, actually. Um, and they that's 
that's the play you chose when you got a quarterback that can run. You got a tight end, two tight ends that are putting mm-hmm. more girth on the field that can help you in run blocking. Yeah, that was disturbing. That to try yeah, with you, they trying that hard means you know you don't you don't have a money running play. You don't have a play. You don't have a go to running play. Yeah. You don't have a go to running identity. You don't. You don't have and you don't have any confidence in it. Even with Sam Ellinger uh, being as you know. Uh, really just being as dominant as a rushing a rushing quarterback as he's been, you still don't necessarily believe, if I run this play with Sam Mellinger, I could get two yards. You don't believe it. And you got a first-round left tackle to run behind, you still don't believe it. He doesn't believe. Yeah. That, that that play showed me you don't believe in your And it added back. a layer that you're trying to me. use some type of trickeration yeah. to it. So it isn't even just a simple, all right, I'm going to do a jet sweep around to my fast guy and he'll get the corner. Exactly, like Which TCU did on you. Like yes. TCU did on you. TCU and, did and that. that's something oh, that you, you know can what? do simple. I that. And it's By the way, easy. you ain't handed off a jet sweep it's all still, year long. But continue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you overcomplicated the issue. Which would have been a good time to do it. And it's so simple and you have the speed. Exactly. So yeah. it seemed like an overcomplication Crazy. at times, but still you're able to at least survive it because your mistakes weren't glaring and weren't magnified like they had been in previous parts of the season. And that was one of those points in the game, guys, where Baylor's probably not going to win the game regardless. But there's under five minutes to go. You Not only do you get stopped for a one-yard loss, we talk about keeping penalties to a minimum. This is the one that to me is just inexcusable. It's the well, Derek, offensive line curl. It's the Derek Kerstetter personal foul. He's and O-line Killebrew he's now. That's what I'm calling him. O-line Killebrew. I was like, that's O-line Killebrew. And it's back-to-back downs wow. where it'd be like fourth and one, fourth and short. Like it would have been, yeah, been a fourth and three. Matt. Oklahoma yep. game, it would have wow. been fourth and one. It became On the goal line, right? 16, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The very next week, it would have been fourth and Crazy short. Man. You could at least contemplate he's something. A, the guy's a senior? And he did it. Like The other one could be hidden between, hey, I'm going to go push the pile into the end zone. This one was Great not only that, that, it was yeah. borderline a cheap shot out of bounds that took out a coach. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> he took out a player, a coach, and it yeah. was all out of bounds. Like, there was no way talking around that one. You that one's wanna, either you are dumb or you're cheap. And you don't want to neuter an offensive lineman because you want them uber aggressive all the time. You know, echo of the whistle, all yes. that. But, yeah, you need to That was to more smart. than echo yeah. and this more, is, now this between is the one, lines. Yeah. That's a penalty that if I had committed that in high school, Rod, on a Friday night, I'd be running a mile Saturday morning. Dog cuss. Dog cuss the whole time. I'd be, I'd be running a mile Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah. While everybody else is leaving film, getting ready to go enjoy their Saturday, I'm running a mile with Coach right. telling me what a moron I am. For it's not it's not impacting the play at all. It's just no. it's it's just a it's a dumb penalty. It was and a dumb I'm penalty. sorry if that sounds harsh, but it's a dumb penalty. Yeah, oh no yeah, question. it totally was. But um, but go ahead. we talk about cleaning up things and improving things. What saved your bacon on there? You go from, Matt, like you said, you go from maybe a fourth and three where at that point you're on the plus 43. Maybe you think about going for it and trying to just, hey, let's just milk the clock. Uh, Now you're in fourth and 18 at the minus 42. (laughs) But Bushevsky gets off a great punt Mm -hmm. and great punt coverage. Credit Anthony Cook and Keaton Crawford, great punt coverage. You pin Baylor down at the nine-yard line. Now they've got the ball. Four minutes left. I think they've still got all their timeouts. Maybe they've got two. But now you've got 91 yards to go, and at that point, the game's over. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, um, you know, it, it, and to that to that point, to add to the point you just made, which was an excellent one, it was a well-rounded victory, right? You didn't depend on one phase of the game to have to win the game for you because your other phases were just playing at a really, you know, playing at an underwhelming uh, rate or weren't really effective. But you had special teams plays 
You had plays that were made on defense. Probably should have made more, more plays on defense. You dropped three picks in that <laughs> game, actually, too. Um, and, of course, the offense. Like I said, they weren't spectacular, but when they had to make plays, they did. So when they, could, they had to seal the game, they sealed the game. They were able to do that. Yeah, you know, Rod, we talked about I like about, that still the game play, too. That was nice. Out of 12 personnel, by the way. Yeah, we, we talked about uh, – we, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about in the in the uh, leading up to the game about kind of the offensive identity and Tom Herman maybe being conflicted of, you know, do you need to just spread the ball out, put it in Sam Ellinger's hands more, be more of a tempo offense because the way Tom Herman wants to win games, and I've said this before, uh, this isn't anything Tom Herman said, and I haven't heard this explicitly, but the eye test tells you that kind of the way Tom Herman's won games when he's won them at Texas, it's very similar. Like you're basically saying, I'm going to win games the way Bill Snyder won games, but I'm going to do it with better athletes. I like that. Uh, it's ball control. It's which, by the way, Tom Herman's now 19 and 0 at Texas when they run the ball at least 40 times. It's ball control. You're not turning it over. You're you're owning the clock. You're winning the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. battle. You're not hurting yourself in the special teams. And you're winning field position. And by and large, Rod Texas did those things on Saturday against I Baylor, which which leads you to believe, look, if you're playing on the, the identity of this offense or this program changing, it's not going to ride or die. This is how Tom Herman wants to try to win football games. He wants to dominate yeah, the line of scrimmage. I agree with you on that. He wants to milk the clock. He wants to have a good, strong running game he can lean on, mm-hmm. be sound on defense, and don't kill yourself in the kicking game win field position. Yeah. And whether and I'm with you, I think we learned that after this bye week, that was an assumption that, all right, what's worked for this team is spreading things out, going to the two-minute. They're going to get back to at, at least they're going to experiment with some of that early in the game. They didn't at all. They actually doubled down. Like I said, came out in 12 personnel and ran it more than they have all year yeah. long except for the UTEP game. So I, I think you're right. I think Tom Herman, he wants he's going to do it his way. He's going to go out his way. And you know what? Maybe he's right. You know, maybe that's the, the the right template for the for the program, like just looking for it as a as a vision, you know, long term. But I'm always worried about winning games right now. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. And I think sometimes Tom Herman he he sacrifices the now and the immediacy for the vision and long term of what he believes is the what's right, and maybe that's what he he's being paid the big bucks for. I'm trying to win right, and I'm trying to win every week. I, every week I be Bill Belichick. I change my damn identity every week to win games. You be like, damn, the last week they were spreading it out five wide. This week they got a fullback in the back. Be like, yeah, because this team they give up a lot of yards versus the fullback, so we're gonna run it down their throat. You know what I mean? I would just change up week to week. That's how I would be. I would have an identity and be able to do things well, but I would do whatever it took to win. Because that's I, how I am. <laughs> your your future as head coach of this program, let's be honest, it, it feels like it is a week to week proposition at this point. You would think, yeah, that's what it feels like from the outside looking in. You would think, but and, he was bright in that beta game. It was close early on, yeah, and yep. he didn't he he didn't fall. He was like, nope, we're gonna continue to do what we do. We're not gonna freak out and just you know let Sam have it and spread things out and look more like an air raid offense. Um, and even though that may score more points, he'll have maybe he'll have to do that. But I think until he has to. He's not going to do it. And I think it's Ray Horton who told me, great football coach, who's still coaching in the league, who always told me, he said, you know, football and life are constant struggles between what you want to be and what mm-hmm. you need to be in order to survive. And Tom Herman, you know, what he wants to be and what he needs to be are very different things, I think. I'll give them this in that regard, Rod. You can tell one of the things they worked on during the bye week was their zone running game yeah, they did. on offense. Yeah, with two tight ends, so they were like, all right, we're going to put more blockers on it. We're going to make this thing work. We're going to force this thing yeah. to work. And we'll see if it works against Oklahoma State, a, real, a good defense. Yeah, uh, Baylor was all right defense, but they hadn't had a lot of practice. And yeah, Let's be real. Baylor has one 
pretty good player who I think is going to have a chance to play in the NFL in Will, well, William Bradley King, who he's the guy that beat Sam Cosme on that inside move, and just oh yeah, that was very nice. rarely do you it see Sam good. Cosme get whooped. Look good, uh, and yeah, they have one great player in Terrell Bernard. Yeah. Like Terrell Bernard's, pro- Terrell Bernard's probably going to be the Big Twelve defensive. I got to tell you, there. when Barnes gets that club off his hand, <laughs> the corner, yeah, dude, he's not, he's a, he's a decent player. Yeah, you know, what I mean, he's got some raw, he got some good raw materials. Hey, you you tell me, you you get a guy who can run ten four, yeah, I heard you talking about ten four and a hundred. A six-foot corner with that kind of speed? Yeah. Hell yeah, I'll take it. That's why I watched him because you were talking about it. I was like, let me watch this dude. Dude, he's, he's all right. He's got a club on his damn hand. He's all right. I like that one play when he got to volleyball, spike it with a club, too. Like, at PBU, he just said, nope, and that ball went bouncing. It was hilarious. Yeah. No, they got – well, that's just uh, the remnants of Matt Rule. Right? Yeah, and we know Matt Rule recruited one the one thing I love about Matt Rule. Let's, let's face it, there's a reason why the Carolina Panthers hired him to You're turn their right franchise around. Matt Rule can identify tools. Yep. And be like, no, this guy. Look, let me take this six foot corner with ten four speed. I'll, I'll teach him how to play corner. That's no Great problem. Point. Yep. I, can't, I can't teach ten four because he's a, but he knows he's a ball coach. Yeah. He's like, oh no no, just give me raw materials. I'm good. Just give me give me a freak that just got things I can't teach like speed and height and length, and I will turn him into a ball player like that. You know, I mean that's a hell. He's just a hell of a coach. I get man, I love that dude. The guy was putting out first round picks at Temple, right? Temple <laughs> Temple doesn't yeah. churn out first round picks. Speaking of that Temple, <laughs> I was watching man. last night late in the game, and it was what Hassan Reddick making plays like Isaiah Simmons style in that Cardinals yeah. and. Seahawks game and seeing it first off the game clinching interception by Simmons it just was all big 12 watching those two guys go at each other just like seeing Shanahan and then what Carroll basically was beaten by the big 12 and is only incorporated those philosophies immediately when he got to the NFL and just seeing the different pieces in that game and stuff we've talked about on this podcast and then like how one guy was a bust supposedly uh, Hassan Reddick wasn't viewed the way he should have been viewed and Shanahan's like, I'll take that guy. I'll put him out there. And, like, he goes from playing DN to playing corner, and he's left and right out there matched up against the these guys. And Isaiah Simmons makes that game-clinching yeah. interception. And just seeing those two, it just – and Hassan Rule – or Matt Rule was the one that found Hassan Reddick there when he was at Temple. It's unbelievable. So, Rod, the, the one thing Good I had – there, there's two things I had a problem with in this game. And, and the first one is a me problem because I should have expected different. <laughs> uh, Glad you're willing to take accountability for that. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it on the broadcast, and I called it, you know, after there was – I forgot what it was. I think it was the missed field goal, and I said, I'd take a shot right here. I tried to – because if, I you, remember this, if yes. you get up, if you get up right here, it yeah. was it was 20, 20 to 3 at that point. I'm like, if you get up 27 3, I'm like, the game is over. Yeah. And they took a shot to Jared Wiley. Jared they Wiley. ended up scoring. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you're up 24-3 going into the fourth quarter. Now you've got a or 27-3 going in the fourth quarter. You've got a chance to just step on an opponent's throat right and really just finish them off yep. and make this look mm-hmm. really good. And you didn't do it. And that's a me problem because Tom Herman's Texas teams don't blow anybody out, so I don't know why I would have expected that to just suddenly flip. So eh, that's more of a me problem than a, than a Texas Was problem. that a defense that allowed them to score – when did, when did Baylor get their first touchdown? That's the, like for, for from that moment that you're talking about. That's the question, right? Where, where did they fail to seal the game? Because in that moment, you're right. All three phases have a chance. All right, all we got to do is make one more big play. We get a three and out on defense, or we force a turnover. We get a sack. We force a negative play, a splash play. On offense, you're thinking about, okay, we can get a long drive to get a long scoring drive of any kind. 
field goal, but it's got no. We we just can you know impose our will on them. You know which which phase uh, probably the defense was because, vulnerable first okay. because Baylor got the ball. They ran one play at the end of the third quarter, had the ball to start the fourth quarter. They go nine plays, seventy five yards, and get a touchdown. Nine plays, seventy five. Okay. And that that to me, Rod goes back to more of that Chris Ash philosophy. Look, they don't have time on their side. They're not going to get. They're not. No, no, gonna I remember that drive. Yeah, and it was Deacon Duncan. They were Deacon Duncan. At that and time. if I'm looking right, right, right I'll just throw the plays. Uh, it's Bruder Holmes for 13 yards. Uh, let's see, Craig Williams one yard run. Bruder Fleeks for 13. Bruder Holmes for 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baylor has an illegal formation penalty. Uh, Bruder Ebner for eleven, Bruder Sims for twenty one. So yeah, you're not. And, yeah, and you know what? They were. That's when they started working. They were working the linebackers at the time because at this time the yeah, corners have been protected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by this time, Ash had made the adjustment to protect the corners. Safeties were a little bit wide, helping them out, and they were running more zones and they were running right cover two. Remember, you, you brought up the fact they had, they were mixing in some cover two, some Tampa two. So I think that's when they decide, all right, let's go back to the middle of the field. And I remember this, they were putting the linebackers in conflict. Yeah. Running backs were getting a lot of uh, those kind of swing routes mm-hmm. right out into the flats, and they were just trying to get those guys out in space. So I, I do remember this drive. That's why it's going to be compelling to see, you know, what they do against Oklahoma State. I mean, you can't protect those corners like that. It's just impossible. Right. And, and, and I got the numbers here. And this is – see, early on in the game – um, they left the corners on an island. I guess they were just trying to see if they could hold up, and then they didn't. That's when Charlie Brewer went after him with those back shoulder fades, back to back to back. So 13 targets at the corners specifically, and I'll just give you the uh, the plays. They had two explosive plays. They had a 20-yarder and a 16-yarder. To see. Um, huh? Back shoulder, to back shoulder, yeah, yeah, back shoulder fades. Uh, then they, they had one 8-yarder, 7-yarder, 12-yarder, 14-yarder, 6-yarder. That was a P.I., there was one incompletion, and there was one PBU by Thompson. Remember, that was the PI flag they picked up. Yeah. But then the plays that were made, B.J. Foster, PBU, this was targeting the corners. Um, Overshone had a PBU when they were targeting the corners, and Chris Brown had a PBU when they were targeting the corners. They put those safeties, and they started to protect those corners a little bit. And still, I mean, going into that game, the corners were allowing an explosive play or a defensive pass interference call Every five targets, I would say that ratio pretty much kept up there, um, and they were only making a play on the ball every eleven targets. And I would say that ratio pretty much kept up there. So you ain't gonna be able to protect them corners like that versus Oklahoma State. And if you do, you're gonna leave the middle of the field wide open. Yeah, because you're getting Okie State at the worst time. They're finally healthy. You had Sanders yeah. come back. Tylen Wallace yeah. looks fully healthy, and then. It's where, like, Texas has been vulnerable against the slot, too, which is where Holmes was playing out of. And later right. in the game, that's whenever they started to be able to at least find him underneath when needed. And that's where it's sort of worrisome because you haven't seen that yet from Okie State. And I don't know, I'm sort of hoping Vin- or Gundy sticks to what he's been doing the last two years and really plotting and running the ball and not manipulating the slot because that used to be what it seemed like Okie State did great mm-hmm. until recent years. So you might get lucky there but still Tylen Wallace is totally a different ball game you haven't faced a guy like him all season long and for this weekend being the battle against the corners that's going to be the primary focus be big man um Rod to your point Texas was credited with nine pass breakups in this game do you know how many of the corners had oh two 
You had the that Josh, can count. Tom, the Josh Thompson play you just mentioned, and yep. Deshaun Jameson dropped the pick. cover two. You were talking that yeah. you remember you said, oh, they were going to cover two, and they did, and he almost got a pick actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Nine pass breakup. Your defensive line had as many pass breakups as your as your corners did. Yeah, and they did good. They, they actually that they, they when they got stonewalled, you can tell they had been coached. You get stonewalled, you find his eyes, and you get in that window. You clog that window somehow. Uh, so that, that was a good coach. That, that play Alfred Collins made. That's, oh yeah. I, I, maybe that's just me getting too excited about. No, a it's not, man. That's a tackle, youngster. But that's like that's that's what you coach got to do. Look, you know you're not going to get there. Three Don't waste eyes. energy fighting upfield. Just see where, follow the quarterback's eyes, and then just get a hand up. See if you can knock a ball down. Yeah, and Kendrick Coburn did that. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. Overshawn did it too. And, yeah. and Collins and, is so and, huge that he's six five. Like it's like his helmet almost makes the play too. <laughs> That's when he's, he's looking up, when like he's, he's just got, yeah, you're right. Him clogging the passing lane, we got like Brewer. You're right. That's a yeah, that's a shadow, man. Yeah, over Overshone saved the touchdown. Yes, he did because the corner. Deshaun they were targeting the corners. Beat. Deshaun Jameson got beat. I, so I remember this play literally in my head. And I was mm-hmm. thinking he did because that would have been. It was a slant. He gave yep. him like a little stem to the outside, cut it mm-hmm. back underneath. Jameson got beat, and Overshone. If Overshone doesn't knock it down, it's yeah. a touchdown. Yeah, guys, I'm worried about the corners. That's all. They haven't. They haven't progressed like I would have thought. It's a, it, it, we, I think honestly, honestly, linebackers are getting better. Yeah, linebackers are getting better. Now, I'm not saying that they are all, all Big Twelve, all conference. Those linebackers are getting better. Ron Mitchell is getting better. Do you know, you know, Javier Overshone is getting better. Corners, Overshone's a playmaker. Like he's the type of guy that it's worth. You can wor- deal with these. He's gonna as, give up some plays, exactly. but he's gonna make some plays. The corners are giving up plays, and not making enough. Plays. Here's the here's the real the simplest way to back up what you're saying, Rod. Go back and watch that game. If I noticed the linebackers, it was never really for anything bad. Well, and the it's Jawan Mi- Mitchell sniffing out that flip pass. Yeah. It's Overshone's PBU. I agree with that. Like you said, they're they're still they're not they're not all world. You know, this isn't. Uh, yeah, you know, this, you- <laughs> is, this isn't that linebacker group you played with with Dee Lewis. And no, it's like USC two thousand circa two thousand four five. No, like that. <laughs> no. but they're. Their their positive plays are starting to out outweigh the the negative. Plays. I agree with that. And they were the only two players on defense that never left the field. Yeah, the Jawan Mitchell and Demar and Overshawn oh. played every single snap, and that's the first game all year. It's been close to that because you had seen some variation. Right. Yeah, yeah. And but Court now and it, this is your Big yeah. Twelve defense that we saw, and now it was against a team that doesn't necessarily need to be playing a Big Twelve defense because Baylor actually runs the ball a little bit more than other teams. But when you look across the board, Jawan Mitchell. Was in coverage forty-seven times and overshone forty-six times. Like wow. that's impressive, right there. And they played all sixty-eight snaps. Josh Thompson was on the court field for sixty-six. Caden Stearns for sixty-five. So when you look across the board on that, to have those two guys on the field for every single snap, nice. that nice. just makes you feel so much yeah. more comfortable. Right. That the coaches they this trust is our them. group. This and is they a trust yeah. the way that they defend and play, and they did so well in coverage. That's what's so big about it. Guys, the biggest weakness on the defense now is the corners. It is not the linebackers anymore. I hate to tell, I hate to break that to you. Yeah. <laughs> Just letting you know. That's an accomplishment, for, though, for the linebackers. It's a good, yes. It's good news. Big time. Uh, Matt, can you resend this screenshot to me? Yeah, it's, I send it's it to you via it, email. It, Open okay, the email, it, and it'll be in okay. there. Um, I'll send the defensive ones right now. And I'm too. glad I'm glad you brought up snap counts because other than the corner should have been three, and I, and I mentioned Texas not blowing somebody out. The other thing I had an issue with, and I continue to have an issue with, is the snap counts. The, how many different guys are playing on offense, mm-hmm. and when they play, and. And, and this is Matt getting this from Pro Football Focus. If you look at the snap counts, I mean, you know, obviously every snap played, you've got your five starting offensive linemen and Sam Ellinger. 
And then, you know, Cade Brewer at 62, Joshua Moore at 55. Then it goes down. Jared Wiley at 37. And then this is really Rod Brennan Eagles at 36. Keontae Ingram, 35. Jake Smith, 30. B. John Robinson, 26. Tariq Black, 18. Roshan Johnson, 12. So the further down you get with the skill guys, it becomes more convoluted. Um, the, one of two things has to happen. Either Texas has to realize, look, we're in game six and it's time to just stop giving everybody reps so guys stay engaged. You've got to figure out who your core group of guys are and go with them. You've either got to do that or you've got to admit we have a problem with strength and conditioning right now. We just have to play a lot of guys because our guys aren't in very good shape. It's got to be one of the two because anything else does, doesn't make sense. Everybody's dealing with the same conditioning issues, though, correct, because of COVID? You would think so. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a proper excuse because I watch college football around the country, and, yes, there are rotations, of course, but they are not as elaborate and as expansive and as really dumbfounding as the Texas rotations in terms of when these guys are being rotated in to a crucial situation turns to close out games <laughs> and you got you're seeing guys you haven't seen all game long yeah he started out the game with Calvante Dixon nothing against Calvante Dixon he's awesome if he was one of your better players number one why the hell has he not been playing more and if he's not one of your better players why the hell is he playing? I swear there are Texas the fans sitting there being like, who's Kelvante Dixon? No, I literally, in, I, I asked him, I was like, who is that? I, I remember we watched the first broadcast. I, I went, who is that? Who is that, guys? Who is that? Uh, I, don't, I haven't mind. seen that number enough. I studied the damn team. I know yes. who the guys are. I had to ask Jeff and E, who is that? <laughs> and then Jeff was like, I think that's Calvante. Well, Dixon. and then when like, you start why B. John Robinson there? and then you barely play him anymore. Like when he when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this is big. We're gonna have him out there first series, we're gonna get a Bijan game. And he basically disappeared after that. But that's that but Bijan's the one I'm talking about. Go back go back to the third quarter. That drive we talk about to start the third quarter, your first three plays. Bijan Robinson for eight, mm-hmm. Bijan Robinson for four, Bijan Robinson for twelve, doesn't touch the ball the rest of the quarter. Happened the same way in the fir- after wow. the first series in the first quarter. Yeah, I, don't, I believe he didn't see the field the rest of the quarter. Because then, then you get to a goal-to-go situation. Keonta Ingram rushed for one. Keonta Ingram rushed for no gain. Sam Ellinger punches it in for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. To, I don't know. To quote, to quote Derek Luke playing the Booby Miles character in the Friday Night Lights movie, Put, you want to win? Put Bijan in. Let him spin, coach. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I'm with you, man. I don't get it. I think it's a recruiting tool. I think that's what he uses to recruit. I yep. think they literally turn you on get the a film series, you get and a they series, say, you get a hey, all of our guys play. Everybody plays. So we can keep – so there is no – one of the biggest, obviously, recruiting obstacles is, man, you already got a five-star there. You mm-hmm. already got a baller there. You know what I mean? So I don't want to play. I don't want to go there because I don't want to have to deal with that kind of competition, and I think this is one of the ways they recruit. I think it's a mistake. I think you – I think there's pride in winning a job, and I think once you figure out who your your best players are, your core guys are, you let them play, you let them give you their best chance to win. There are opportunities throughout a football game, rare ones by the way, where you want your best player there to make that play. You want the best potential player there to to make that play, uh, whether it be a strip sack on the quarterback or 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 a missed assignment by the offensive line or a missed assignment by the defensive back, whatever it is, and you mm-hmm. want your best player there. You don't get that with Texas. You make hell doing that that pick by uh, Sam to Jared Wiley. We starting deep. Alvante Woodis randomly there, yeah. just running down mm-hmm. the side. I'm like, Alvante Wood. 
Yeah, yeah I was like, what a sign. He was he was in on the on like a red zone series randomly too. Yep. Where I was like, what is happening? What what is the randomness to this? And it, there's still no rhyme or reason to it, and Coach can't explain it. So it's it's weird to me, man. It's strange. I, like I said, I never experienced this in all of my time playing at Texas. Yeah. Ever. Guys were rotated, but never to this extent. No, and you're right. I mean, I do a lot of daily fantasy and follow snap counts across all of football. And the only other team that's situationally the same that has an issue, like, and it was in the Texas-Oklahoma game, and I was so happy when Oklahoma would be taking Marvin Mims Jr. off the field because he's, like, their most explosive receiver. And you're like, oh, this is great. Thank you. you." And and you can't give the other team this, like, blow and this exhilaration that you're taking these playmakers off the field and then, like, this past weekend, Oklahoma is like, Marvin Mims is making a play the 11 <laughs> times. He, he had, like, 11 snaps the game before, and I was like, this is just dumbfounding, but go ahead if you're going to play that way against wow. Texas. But when Texas does that to opponents, it really does make you sit there and be like, man, the, those few snaps that you think they're just, you know, giving another guy a couple snaps, giving him a blow. But it's so hard to be able to find those explosive plays, and mm-hmm. you never know those few snaps that you exactly take away right. if yep. that can be the – explosive that makes your guy go from having 10 touches and he has 60 yards and it's good but he never gets that 150 yard TD that really blows it open and everything and you sort of need that whenever you go over and over we talk about volume and volumes the only way to truly get the accurate depiction of your yeah exactly and sometimes it's just a little bit befuddling when you see that guys are out there performing well yet still playing only at a volume of 60 to 70 the Bijan thing to me, guys, makes no sense because for him to start off that drive as hot as he did, man, just what's the, what's the one thing Rod running backs talk about all the time? I got to get into a rhythm. Let me get into a rhythm. And he was starting to get into one, and you 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 took him out of it. It's amazing. <laughs> you took him out of his rhythm. Yeah. Do we know who determines the rotations yet? Assistant coaches. Okay, assistants do. So yeah. coordinators don't have any control? Uh, do they have veto power? I would. I mean, don't, don't all coordinators? I would think so. Like, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would. I'm mad. So now I'm mad at your and the position coaches. Then yeah. I'm mad at you know, Chris Ash doesn't do it as much though. Chris Ash There's does it sometimes, but he's doing it less actually. Chris Ash does it less. Like you said, the linebackers are playing more. I think Chris Ash was doing it literally to see who his best players were. And I remember and that kind of thing. And also because now you got Joseph Sai dealing with injuries, so yeah, that's why you're seeing guys like Jay Bush. But I think he was doing it to really kind of troubleshoot who his best player is going to be. Because you remember at one point Kenny Yada Watson was playing, then he wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. I think he gets to the point where he's like, all right, this, this guy ain't playing no more. Like the linebackers are like that now. He's like, nope, Juwan Metro and Overshone, all right, court, guys. Court Jake was, I don't know, I don't know his snap count, but, but Matt, you got it up there. I don't think, I don't he, played think he played in the Baylor game. He had all 68 yeah. go to the other yeah. two. I think he knows who his guys are now, and he takes guys off the field. He yeah, took Jenny Green off the field at one point, like, get, get off the field. Yep. Yeah, Court Jacobs didn't play. Court Jacobs didn't play a single snap because he had all linebacker snaps. Just go to Mitchell and Overshone, which yeah. stood out to me when I saw that. And like, whenever at the first time Texas fans sort of got frustrated with, I remember uh, back when Brian Harson got to Texas, and it was this idea. And I agree that like specialization's great, but whenever you sort of get too deep into it and you can't see the forest for the trees, and you got all these guys with these specific roles or niches, or you like this package, but then it really makes you almost like 
predictable because you bring in guys that have these specific yeah. tools and you feel like you're going and doing it for this one reason because this is successful, but it's like almost over-specialization at yeah. that point. And then whenever you're doing that across skill positions, it really can take time to be able to build some type of identity because everything's interchanging pieces a little bit. And the thing is, is you would think it would make it unpredictable, but the guy's skill sets are predictable. So whenever yeah. they are put in, it really doesn't get the objective accomplished that you may be setting out to get initially by having these different toolboxes in the tool chest. The only other thing, guys, that could be is Tom Herman talked all offseason about depth and maybe it's just trying to force feed this idea that you have talent to depth. We're now, look, we, we're we five games into this thing. Like, we're not all of us that watch this team are dumb. Like, we, we can tell who's good and who's not, who's making plays and who's not. You, you don't have talented depth up and down this roster Mm-mm. like you thought you did. No. Yeah, I don't. Even, if you did, if you did, you wouldn't be atrocious on special teams. That's a great point. That is a really good point, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because that's where all your depth is. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I I think that he really. I think ideally, it could be it could be a conditioning issue. You you know, Matt just brought up Oklahoma, and I'm not hating on anybody, but you know, Oklahoma has had conditioning issues. They at uh, least I mean, had like 20 COVID cases. Texas surprisingly well, just, has prevented. The, well, just in terms of bringing in new because yeah. now Benny Wiley's there, right? Yeah. The conditioning Very coaches. True. So yeah. I just good wonder. Point. Yeah, I'm just saying. Maybe, maybe, maybe strength and conditioning is an issue, and if it is, then that to me. That's a macro problem. Oh, That's yeah. a uh, then we gotta really talk. Like anyway, whoa. So you know why is strength and conditioning issue? Because I think last year I questioned that when you had all the injuries. I was like, man, you gotta mm-hmm. actually look at strength and conditioning if you're having this many injuries. What's well, and, and you're having still more shoulder injuries, right? And then like the Jake Smith situation where he catches one pass and then we don't see him and he apparently took himself out of the game. And we'll hear from Tom Herman a little bit after we finish recording this podcast. I mean, if Jake Smith's still dealing with a hamstring injury, okay. Who's is it a freak deal? I mean, or is somebody signing off on him being healthy where maybe they shouldn't? Yeah, because he shouldn't and be playing in. They should a, get fully yeah, healthy. Right. Is it a yeah. problem with the training staff? Is it like there's something is amiss there if you're saying he's cleared and he's good to go and he practiced last week and then something's happening during the game. Either yeah. the player's not handling treatment the way he should. Agreed. Which is also an internal problem because you should yeah. be punishing said player for not going to treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a number of things there, but somewhere. at this point, man, you, you, you can't leave. This, this isn't a time to just say, ah, no, that's not a problem. No, if you're Tom Herman, yeah, if, if you're Tom Herman, and if somehow you survive this thing, you got to look at all aspects of this. Yeah, I can't believe, but this is game. We're going to game six now. Yeah. Yeah, conditioning shouldn't be an issue by game six. No, even, even, with the, like, even with the truncated offseason. It's like, yeah. dude, it's week six. And that's that where means I, y'all just ain't that means y'all not getting into conditioning. You've been together long enough now yeah. to be in football shape. Yeah, and on the injury stuff, this is just my opinion, but I, I, you can sort of just feel that there's a lot of coach speak coming from Herman. And, and, and it's across all coaches and all sport. Like, it happens in the NFL. It happens even more so in college because you can hide behind not having to divulge the injuries injury report, and stuff. Yeah. And you have see like there are some coaches like Pitt and a handful of others that just outright lie and then we'll just tell <laughs> and then they tell he's like no we did it and what the, he said we did it for competitive advantage we didn't want to tell him that our quarterback was out so <laughs> like, like yeah, some of them totally just admit it but like you could tell with Herman like the injury stuff I don't trust it when I'm putting my money behind who's playing out there interesting all right, gentlemen, uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. I will say this, the one thought on Oklahoma State, and you can get the horns 24-7, catch Rod and I on the horn throughout the week. We'll be previewing this game. Yeah. Uh, Rod, that mentality Tom Herman wants, you can maybe kind of replicate a little bit of what Iowa State did 
using multiple tight ends. If you want to go 12 personnel, we know Iowa State goes a lot sure. of 12 and 13 personnel and maybe play a little bully ball against an Oklahoma State defense that, as you pointed out during our broadcast, we we're talking about that Oklahoma State-Iowa State game, probably maybe more so built to defend speed than mm-hmm. power. Spent, yeah, so maybe the multiple spreads. And I don't want to I don't want to go down the LSU road I went down last year saying, oh, maybe this is leading to something, but maybe that maybe that part of that doing what they did against Baylor was Tom Herman saying, look, if we're going to beat Oklahoma State, this is how we're going to have to do it. So we need to get really good at doing this. That's a great point. Yeah, it's definitely got to be a part of the game plan. But just and also you need to feature and showcase Jared Wally, and the best way mm-hmm. for you to do that is in your twelve personnel package. Yep. So you need to start featuring and showcasing your best players. Getting back to the conversation we were just having, and you know, and he's a part of that too. If it's if it's a if it's a matter of figuring out who your better receivers are, then yeah, don't run so much ten personnel or whatever. Don't don't run out so many multiple wide receiver packages. Pick your top three or four guys, and roll with it. Well, if Jake Smith's hurt, and this is a very simple way to finish, and now you're just going to be rolling <laughs> Wiley out there for every snap and Probably, putting him out in the yeah, slot, and pr- you're good. Pretty much. Yeah, that's, be malleable. It's a simple way to fi- com- like fix that issue. No, I totally agree. I just think it's, it's troubling for Tom Herman uh, and his pro spread not to have that H position. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't had it really this year. You can't depend on Jake Smith at this point, guys. Well, and you can't no. depend on just one type of way to run your offense. you got to be able true. to adjust. Great point. And now, to your point, Matt, the decision you have to make, depending on Jake Smith's health, who would you rather have out there, Jared Wiley or Kai Money? Jared, Jared Wiley. Wiley. That's a real easy, yeah, a real not, easy answer. Not, so that's a great point, Jeff, and you're totally right. Yeah. Especially against what may be the best defense in the Big 12. Yeah. Because yeah. those linebackers – and man, their corner, they might have the best cornerback duo in the Big 12 right now. And honestly, they might have the best linebacker group in the Big 12. It's very possible with uh, Abang uh, uh, Mamika. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Agbang Mamika. Agbang Bamika. Isn't that it? Agbang Bamika, right? I think it's Agbang Bania. Agbang Bamika. Is it Miga? Or, uh, I, I think it's Agbang Bamika. I, I could be wrong about that, though. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates Price and coverage match limited by state law. Craig's in the next room, who, by the way, I'm supposed to be doing a show with right now. <laughs> I so believe we'll, it we'll is. Ask. I'm just saying we should know his name. Yeah, yeah we should know his name. He's, All right. he's a damn good player. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod be on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Same as book. You can also get each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows. Everything's available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to subscribe to Longhorn Blitz by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts to get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. And don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday. 
Experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.